Don't no, no, lift your name on high. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome on this wet Sunday morning. Uh, it is wet outside, but we are dry inside, and, uh, and we're glad that you are here uh, this morning as we've gathered to worship the Lord. Uh, we welcome you. We welcome our guests, especially today. We have some guests with us, and uh, we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. And I uh, just want to call your, to your attention a few announcements that we have. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheet that is on each row. Uh, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out, pass it down the row so we could have a record of your attendance with us uh, this morning. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, uh, some things that we have going on this week. Um, we have this afternoon, we have a shower for Julie Wrights and her family. Uh, many of you know that uh, Julie's home was burned a few weeks ago, and uh, I believe she's got a new place to live now, and, uh, but uh, she needs some things to put in there because a lot of her things were destroyed. So we're having a kitchen and uh, linen shower for Julie this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Also, there are a couple of um, uh, teams that are meeting after the shower. Our missions and ministry team will be meeting after the shower, and the spirituality team also, I think, will be meeting after the shower today. Uh, this week, also, we have our, our consignment sale, so I'll ask you to take a look in your worship folder to uh, see the details of, of that. And also, on Friday and Saturday of this week, uh, the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship is meeting at Third Baptist Church in Owensboro, and that's just a little ways, about you know, 25, 30 miles down the road. And uh, we want to encourage anybody and everyone to uh, to be a part of that. Uh, so uh, take take a look in your worship folder, and it's very easy to get to. And I know that part of the time it conflicts with the uh, consignment sale, but uh, it will be worth your while if you can go over there and uh, spend some time at the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship this weekend on Friday and Saturday. We are glad that you are here today, and we are here to worship the Lord and, uh, and to fellowship with God and to fellowship with one another. So let me in, invite you to stand up and spend just a moment of time fellowshipping with each other. Greet each other in the name of the Lord. Lift your name on high, and I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. And 
I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in your life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. Sing on that beat. 
God's people said. Amen. See if we can't get some kiddos up here. I hate to be up here by myself. I do have some bad news. There's not going to be any candy or anything to take back with you. <clears throat> Good morning. want to show you something I have here. This is a college textbook and for you parents who are getting ready to send some kids to college. This is $147.95 for this little book. But uh, one of the students I work with at the college came by my office a couple of weeks ago and brought this in there and he said, uh, Mr. Jenkins, I'm going to turn this in to you. I'm not going to need this anymore. And I said, well, how come? He said, I'm I just can't pass that class, and I want to turn my book in to you. Well, the question I had is, buddy, you didn't take it out of the shrink wrap. How do you know? <laughs> but anyway, he decided that he didn't want to, want to do that. Well, you know, Brother Tim is starting a new series, and today uh, his sermon is about Bible study. And that kind of, uh, when this student was in the, uh, talking to me, I, I thought about this, and I thought, well, you know, Bibles, a lot of times, they come wrapped in shrink wrap or in a, in a box. And you get to thinking about this, if you didn't take the Bible out of the shrink wrap or out of the box, really, what good would it do you? And, you know, we see this, uh, sometimes it may not be shrink wrap, but oftentimes Bibles are bought and then they're put on a coffee table with a candle next to them where it looks very pretty. Or a Bible is placed on a nightstand where, uh, uh, I guess, if you just before you go to bed, if you want to uh, read a passage. Or sometimes it's um, on a table next to your favorite chair and maybe underneath the TV guide. Or sometimes it's in the back seat of a car where I won't forget it next Sunday. I, I, I know where my Bible is. It's in the back seat. And really, the, I don't think that's what the Bible was intended for. Now, I know, and, and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking on my part. I know that there are lots of reasons that I come up with why I don't read the Bible as much as I should. One of the reasons is I don't have time. I, I may have intentions like... Early in the morning, I'm going to get up and read a couple of passages before I go to work, but I oversleep, or I want to watch the news for just a few more minutes, or read the newspaper, and then I find I don't have time to read it before I leave to go to work. Or at night, well, I'm going to read some passages before I go to bed, and then you know what happens. I get real sleepy in there, and... That chair, uh, it's so, so hard to, to, to get out of that chair and, and to uh, pick up the Bible, and then I end up going to sleep, so I, don't, I, don't, I just don't read it then. 
And other times I come up with, you know, a lot of the Bible is hard to, hard to read. And, and a lot of it's hard to understand. And there's, there's no doubt about that. There are books in the Bible and passages that are very difficult. But, you know, they make a lot of, there, there are many different versions of the Bible to try and help it be more readable to, to us today. So don't be intimidated by it's too hard to read or it's too, uh, it, I, I just can't understand it. And then another thing about the Bible is it can be interpreted differently. What I read may not and understand about the Bible may not be exactly the way that you understand it. And you know, I don't think there's anything wrong in the world with that. Uh, the Bible is written to us as, on an individual basis, and I think that many times we interpret it differently. Now, another thing about the Bible is that it simply, the, every question that we have in life is not answered in the Bible. A lot of the questions are, but there are still questions that, that the Bible either does not address or things that, that are just not explained to, to fully where we can understand them. But that should never stand in the way of our reading the Bible and, and try to pick up the messages that, that, that God has for us. Now, I want to finish up by telling you a story about one of my favorite people who passed away a, a long time ago. But it, he was an older man, and his name was Euford. And he was the grandfather of my college roommate. And oftentimes, I would go home with him on weekends, and we would go to Euford and Effie's house. And two of the things I most remember about the, the visits there... Effie always made the best fried chicken you could possibly eat. And because I was coming and she knew I loved lemon pie, she would make a lemon meringue pie for every time I came. And the thing I remember about Euford was he had an old, worn-out Bible. And he had it next to his favorite chair. And whenever you would go to visit them, there would be Euphorts Bible, and it would be open. And he had, a, he had a pair of reading glasses, he had a red marker, and he had little bits and pieces of paper that were always about where he would write things down. And I remember when Mr. Euford passed away, I went to his funeral at uh, the Poole Missionary Baptist Church, and, and the preacher who did his funeral I thought it made a very lasting impression on me anyway. He said, you know, there's really not a whole lot that I can say about Euford that you all, all don't already know. You can tell by the size of the, his funeral, by all these people attending, Euford was a well-liked man. He was good in his church. He was good to his family. He was good in his community. And the preacher held up Euford's Bible. And he had to have a rubber band around it so that the insides of the Bible wouldn't fall out. He said, I want you to look at this Bible. He said, I thumbed through this just before the funeral. And he said, Euford lived his Bible. He said, he had things in here, passages marked. He had the, the anniversary dates of uh, weddings, his wedding and his children's wedding. 
He had his grandchildren's birthdays marked in here so that he wouldn't forget those. He had his list that the next time he went to the Dixon Hardware Store, what he needed to pick up. You know, Euford used that Bible every day. And the preacher finished up and he said, this is a well-used Bible. And he said, I just wonder if a well-used Bible doesn't have a lot to do with a life that has been well-lived. And that has stuck with me for a long time. Thank you.
Our scripture reading for today comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It's a passage of scripture that most are very familiar with, and it reads, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Speak to us, O God. We have come here today to hear your word. Convince us of our sins and your forgiving grace. Rebuke our pride and our selfishness and replace them with humility and with love. Encourage our hesitant faith and increase our confidence in your eternal truths. Make this time a a call to such a commitment that each of us may go away from here equipped for every good work that you have called us to render. For your glory and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow, Nora, it's really amazing all the different things that we have to do in our lives. You know, we have to get up every morning and make our coffee and go to work and keep a house clean. Why do you think it is so important that we have daily Bible study? Well, I was thinking about that. And when I was a child, I was very blessed with being around a lot of family. And when that time was together, it was to eat, but it was also to share stories and the stories that they often shared were stories when they were young a time that I wasn't around but could get an imagination in my mind of what it was like now those stories have stuck with me so that in time as I have grown I can relate to them and I think that with your daily Bible reading with studying it there are stories in there that at the time may not mean much to us, but as we live, it does throw an importance to us. Well, what do you get out of your personal Bible study time? I mean, what, what type of blessing? Well, it helps me to wake up often. Um, sometimes I have some aha moments, and sometimes I have some, ooh, I didn't do it that way, moments. And uh, sometimes I just have some, man. I'm so lucky. This is an everyday part of your life, correct? Yes. Um, so, so it really is a big benefit to you to, oh, for daily Bible study. It is. It is because my day starts out with inspiration, fundamentals, and uh, my own instruction book on how to get through because though I may know what it's going to entail in that day, I never know exactly how it's going to arrive. Amen.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for what you have done for me and my family. And I thank you for this church that we have to come to and for what it stands for. And I ask that you bless these tithes and offerings. And I ask especially that you give us all a heart, a heart that desires to see you and a heart that desires to please you. In your name I pray. Amen. This song is uh, written by Greg Nelson, Phil McHugh, and James Isaac Elliott. They write music uh, generally in the Sandy Patty, Steve Green, and all those kind of things that you've heard for a lot of years. And that's sort of the direction they're going. Now, this one is totally different than anything I've ever heard from them. And maybe it's talking to somebody not here. Maybe they wrote it for a group way off somewhere that does not live here or does not attend here. But we'll just see. go to church twice on Sunday and make the windy service too. You don't even need a songbook to sing hymn 142. When you sing standing on the promises, you repeat the last four bars. But you can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You've listened to a thousand sermons, but you've never really heard. 
And the only way your life will change is to get into God's Word. You can try to walk on water, but you'll never get too far. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. If there's a tour to the Holy Land, you'll be the first to go. You give $50 to the mission board and let everybody know. Your service as a singer outshines the brightest star. But you can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You've listened to a thousand sermons that you've never really heard. And the only way your life will change is to get into God's Word. You can try to walk on water, but you'll never get too far. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You raised your hand and met the Lord over 20 years ago. But John 3:16 and Psalm 23 are the only verses you know. I can see why things aren't working, why things aren't up to par. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You've listened to a thousand sermons, but you've never really heard. And the only way your life will change is to get into God's Word. You can try to walk on water, but you'll never get too far. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You've listened to a thousand sermons, but you've never really heard. And the only way your life will change is to get into God's Word. You can try to walk on water, but you'll never get too far. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You know, Larry, I'm not sure whether to say amen or yeehaw. <laughs> Can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. And and uh, where where is our uh, where Robert Jenkins? Did he go to? I guess he's counting money. Huh? I think he stole my sermon notes today because he hit on everything I wanted to talk about. Um, how, how many of you consider yourselves to be good with your hands? Anybody good with your hands? You, you, you work with tools and things like that? Okay. I try from time to time, mostly because I'm, I'm envious of those who are good with their hands, but I'm not exactly what you would call a handyman. I, I remember a time when I bought a computer desk at, from Sam's Club one time, and I had to put it together. It came in a box. And so I had to put it together. And so I searched all over the house until I found my toolbox. And then I, I dusted the, the dust off of my toolbox, and I was ready to go. And, um, and then as I, as I began to put this desk together, I realized I was going to have to use some different tools for different jobs. And part of the time, I was going to have to use a screwdriver. Now, uh, I, I've used a screwdriver before, and it's pretty easy to do, though I am known from time to time for stripping the heads out of screws. Uh, but I started working with a screwdriver, and after a while, I, I was doing pretty good. And, and then the instruction said that I needed a hammer, and, and this excited me because I like my hammer. I like using a hammer. You know, as a matter of fact, I got this today. I thought I might do some pulpit pounding. Um, <laughs> 
but you know, the, the hammer is, the hammer's kind of a fix-all type of, of a tool. You know, you can use it for just about everything. So I got my hammer out, and I started hammering for a little while, and, and then I put ice on my thumb for a little while, and, and, and then I hammered some more. And I'm happy to tell you that in just six short hours, I put that computer desk together. Now, all that time working with those tools led me to a very profound thought. And that was that tools have no value unless they are being used. Isn't that what Robert said a little while ago? Tools have no value unless they are being used. And like Larry was singing, you can't stand on the promises if you don't know what they are. This hammer serves no purpose at all unless I'm using it to hammer some nails, which in turn serves the greater purpose of putting my computer desk together. Now, here's what I want to do in this this series uh, that we're starting today, uh, the series Five Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Um, Over the next few weeks, I want to give you some tools to use. Now, I wouldn't dare try to tell you how to use these kinds of tools. I'll leave that to, uh, to Larry McDowell or Vince Davis or somebody else who, who knows what they are doing in that area. But what I want to do is to give you some tools that will help you in your spiritual growth and make you a highly effective Christian. But I want to tell you that the tools that we're going to be discussing on these next uh, few Sundays are a lot like this hammer because, you see, they are of no use whatsoever unless you put them into practice. I want to begin with this verse of Scripture that we're going to use as the basis of the series. Um, This is not specifically for our topic of today, but this is a basic for the whole series, uh, the series itself. And it comes to you from... um, Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 15. And I think, uh, yeah, there it is right up there. Say, Say it with me if you would. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We're going to come back to this verse every week during this series. But the point of this verse is that we need to grow in our faith. And that's what I hope we will accomplish in these next few weeks, that we will develop some habits in our lives that will enable us to grow up in every way into Christ. Now, you notice that the title of the series is Five Habits of Highly Effective Christians. So the first thing I want to deal with today is the idea of developing spiritual habits. For you see, developing spiritual habits is the key to spiritual growth. And spiritual growth does not just happen. You have to make it happen through the habits that you develop. And an Olympic athlete doesn't just get out there and run the race because he or she is naturally good at it. No, it takes a lot of hard work. They make time in their daily routine for fitness and for health and to to continue to develop their skills so that they'll be able to, to perform the best that they can. And spiritual growth is very similar to that. 
As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us to train yourself up in godliness. Or as, as one version puts it, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, I want you to think about those two words, time and trouble, for a minute. You know, any time you start a new habit in your life, these are two things that will always be there, time and trouble. For example, let's, let's say you go to the doctor and your doctor says, you know, you really need to get more exercise. I want you to start walking for 45 minutes three times a week. Well, that's going to take some time, isn't it? And that's going to take a lot of trouble. Why? Because now I have to figure out how to block it into my schedule, and then I have to do it. But then after a while, it becomes a habit. And spiritual growth is, is the same way. We have to take the time and the trouble to keep ourselves spiritually fit. And hopefully we will begin using these tools so often that they will become a habit for us so that we can live the life that God has called us to live. And so today I want to give you a tool that will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus. And I talked about my hammer a little bit earlier, and, and, and the tool that we're going to talk about today is a lot like this hammer, because this is the one tool that you will keep coming back to over and over and over in your life. This is the one tool that you can reach for when life presents you with a challenge and, and, and when you don't know what to do. And that tool, if you haven't been clued into it yet, is the habit of Bible study. So how do we develop the habit of Bible study? Well, I believe that the first thing that you and I have to do is to develop, to develop this habit of Bible study is to admit that we don't have all the answers. Let me ask you something. Do you always know what to do in every situation? I don't see anybody nodding their head up and down. You, do you know what you do every every situation? I don't, and I'll bet that if we were really honest with ourselves, we could probably look back on just this past week and find some situation that we wish we could have handled differently. Am I right? Because the truth is, we don't always know what to do. And that's okay, because when we're honest enough to admit that we don't have all the answers, that's when we are ready to read the Bible and learn what God wants to teach us. In our text for today that I read a few moments ago, we're told that the Bible is given to us by inspiration from God. And it's useful to teach us what's true. It's useful to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. <clears throat> and it is God's way of making us more prepared and fully equipped to do good to everyone. So it seems that the Bible was given to us because God knows that we don't always know what to do. And God wants us to be fully equipped to handle the twists and turns of life. Now, I want you to 
do something. A little mental exercise here. I want you to think of something specific in your life right now. I want you to think of a specific situation that you're faced with right now in your life and you don't really know what to do. You're really not sure what to do. So a little mental exercise here. So wake up, folks. You know, you can go back to sleep in a little bit. But, you know, think of that situation in your life that you're not sure what to do. Maybe it's something at school or at work or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue that you're facing or some kind of moral dilemma in your life. I want you to get that picture of in your mind right now. Okay, you have that? You have that image in your mind of, of what I'm talking about? Then I want you to turn to the person next to you and say this. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, do we? We don't always know what to do. But I want to tell you something. The Bible is God's tool to help equip you for those hard decisions at work or at school. The Bible is God's tool to help equip you for that decision in that relationship that you're facing. The Bible is God's tool to help equip you to handle that moral dilemma dilemma that you're facing or those trying times in your lives. So God gives us the Bible to help us know what to do. Now, I have have heard the Bible sometimes referred to as uh, an instruction manual for Christians. And I can understand where that's coming from, but I want to take issue with that just a little bit. Because, you see, instruction manuals usually give you a step-by-step process that will take you from the beginning to the end. And you can, they're usually fairly easy to read unless they're written in Chinese or something like that. But just like that computer desk that I was talking about earlier, if you take the instruction manual and you follow it step by step, even I can come out with a good result. But the Bible's a little bit different from that. It's not quite that easy because in most situations, It's not going to give you the particular specific answer to a specific issue that you are facing in your life. You're not going to be able to open up the Bible and read somewhere. Don't date that guy. (laughs) It's not there. However, if you are familiar enough with the Bible and you can you can use the principles that are revealed there to, to help come up with the answers, your own answers for yourself. And so once we begin with this attitude that it's okay to say, I don't know all the answers, that's when we begin to realize that that God gave us God's word so that we can be fully equipped and prepared for everything that life throws at us. Here's the second thing to help us get into the, the habit of Bible study. Develop a plan for daily Bible study. Let's look at what the scripture says in Joshua 1.8. This book shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with what is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall be successful. You see what this is saying here? Study this book. 
Now, what book is he talking about? Well, in the case of Joshua, he's probably talking about parts of the Torah, parts of the first five books of the Bible. But for us, I think we can apply that to to all of the Bible on into the New Testament and especially into the New Testament. And so we are told here to study the Bible. And then it says meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it, then you will be successful in your life. Do you see that? There's a connection between your success and your meditation. However, I, I don't think that he's talking about material success here. Uh, don't read the Bible with the idea that it's an instruction manual to get rich quick. It, it doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, if you read your Bible and follow all that's commanded there, you may find yourself giving away a lot of your material possessions. So, so I don't think Joshua was talking about material success here. I think Joshua is talking about success in living the kind of life that God's called us to live. So what's your plan? meditate on the Bible? What's your plan for ingesting the Bible into your life on a day-to-day basis? What is your plan for regular Bible study? Because you see, if you're not intentional about this, if you don't have a plan, then it's going to be easy to find yourself two or three weeks down the road without having spent a single moment reading the Bible. So if you're going to meditate on the Bible so that you can succeed in fulfilling God's plan for you, you need a plan. And there are all kinds of plans out there. One plan is to just start reading the Bible from the beginning to the end. I mean, you can just open it up at the first book of the Bible in Genesis and read three or four chapters every day and work your way from the front to the back. And that's okay for some people problem with that with most people is that we kind of get bogged down somewhere around Leviticus or Deuteronomy. And if you make it past there, then Chronicles is sure to do you in. Uh, has all those lists of regions and genealogies and so-and-so begat so-and-so and just goes on for page after page after page. So, so you may want a plan that mixes it up a little bit. I followed a plan last year, that, and I know that some of you did too, that listed passages of Scripture that, uh, to read every day, and some of them were from the Old Testament and some from the New Testament. And by the end of the year, it, you've read the whole Bible. But you know, there's no magic way to read the Bible. There are all kinds of Bible reading plans out there. There's a plan that allows you to study the major characters of the Bible. And there's a, a survey plan that where you take a little bit from this book and a little bit from that book and a little bit from each of the books. There's a plan that you can read 30 days around the words of Jesus or 30 days in the Psalms or read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There are all kinds of Bible reading plans out there. And it doesn't really matter which one you use. Just as as long as you pick one that interests you and uh, make sure that you have a plan to get into, into the Bible every day. And here's number three. And this may be a new concept for some of you, uh, but it can be very helpful in, in bringing the words of the Bible and the needs of your life together. And that is journal along with your daily Bible reading. 
Um, Robert was talking about the man um, that he knows or that, that he knew that passed away and they got his Bible and had all sorts of little notes stuck in there. And this is kind of similar. Uh, some of you may be familiar with this while others are thinking, what are you talking about? But journaling in the Bible is, is, is simply this. Um, you write things down in your notebook. When you find something in the Bible that you're reading and it kind of pops out at you, you write it down in a notebook. It's kind of like a Bible reading diary. Maybe it's a phrase or a word or maybe it's a point from a sermon that you've heard. But you just transfer that thought to your journal. Now, many of you have been in my office before. And if you have, you know what you will find on my desk if you go into my office, besides all the books and the papers that are all over the place, you will find on my desk all sorts of little post-it notes stuck all over the place on my desk. Doris Hall came into my office one day not too long ago and asked about the squirrel that was making its, de- its nest on my desk. Um, but you know the reason why I do that? It's because sometimes things don't actually sink in unless I write it down. And if I write it down and stick it to my desk, then I am prompted to do something about it later. Because every once in a while I look at that post-it note and go, hey, you know, that's right, I need to go do this. And the same principle applies with journaling. When you journal as you read, you tend to read a little more carefully. And it sinks in as you write it down. And later you can go back to it and possibly do something about it in your life. Jesus says, if you continue in my words, then you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the the journal is a way for you to capture God's truth for your life and apply it on a daily basis. So first, we admit we don't have all the answers. Then second, we develop a plan for our daily Bible reading. Then third, we can journal along with our reading if we want to. And and then we come to the fourth step, which is really the most important step of all. And that is apply what you have learned in your study. Folks, everything else that we've talked about today is a complete waste of time Unless you get to this final step. Unless you move to the point of applying what you have learned in your life. For you see, it is applying what we have learned that will fully equip us to succeed in becoming the person that God wants us to be. Folks, Bible study, the Bible is not given to us just for information. Even though there's a lot of information in there. The Bible was given to us for transformation and transformation occurs after we apply what we have read in our lives one version of james 1 says do not fool yourself by just listening to the word you must instead put it into practice so we need to read the words of god and we need to put it into practice i want to give you these three phrases that i hope they'll will help you in this process of applying what you learn. The first phrase is original meaning. You know, we have a tendency to read the Bible from the perspective of a 21st century American, don't we? 
But we have to realize that the people of biblical days had an entirely different worldview than we do. And so in order to get at the original meaning of the scriptures, we need to try to put ourselves in their their world context and see what the words meant to them. Then the second phrase that we need to note is timeless principle. What is the timeless principle? For example, the the book of Philippians was written when Paul was in prison. And the overarching theme of the book was joy. And so the timeless principle of Philippians is that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is something that's dictated by our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes with whatever's going on in our lives. And I kind of doubt that Paul was happy about being in prison. But he could be joyful because his joyful depend, his joy depended on his relationship with God. And then the third phrase is apply it. Apply it. So you take these words and you apply it in your life. Maybe, again, from the book of Philippians. Maybe, how do you apply this in your life? Well, maybe your job is really the pits. You get no happiness, no joy from it, no meaning there, no fulfillment. And so maybe you need to determine that instead of depending on the circumstances of your life to make you happy. Maybe you need to go to work with that spirit of joy that comes from our relationship with God and that fills your life in spite of your circumstances at work. And maybe if there's joy in your life, then you'll find that your work will be more bearable. So we find specific areas in our lives that we can make the application of what we learn in the Bible. Because application is the goal. Application is what helps us to become fully developing followers of Jesus. It's what helps us to fulfill Christ's mission here on earth. And that's why God gives us God's word. John thirteen seventeen says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So you see, knowing these things is not the path to blessing. It's doing them that is the path to blessing. Now, implementing this habit of studying the Bible is going to take time and trouble. It's going to take you carving out some time into your schedule where you can say, this is a tool that I need to use. But I promise you that if you make this habit in your life, as you read the Bible, as you learn how to apply its principles to your everyday life, I promise you then you will be blessed by it. And it will help you to be fully equipped to face whatever life throws at you. Amen. And let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that you gave us your word. We thank you that you want us to be fully equipped for every situation that life presents to us. And God, we confess that starting a new habit is hard. And it requires a lot of time and trouble. So God, this week I pray that you will help us to begin using this new tool of Bible study. Help us to implement this habit in our lives. By not only reading your word, but also by living it 
In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Teach me, O Lord, I pray. Number 601. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And we invite you to do that. There may be someone who's looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as well. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today, maybe you just need to come for a moment of prayer or another type of commitment. Maybe you want to come and and just say, Tim, I'm going to commit myself to the habit of Bible study today. Maybe that's what you want to do. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing our hymn of response today. Teach me, O Lord, I pray. Would you come? Please be seated for just a moment. Um, I am, uh, I, I don't have to introduce Sarah to you. Most every, every one of you, if you've been around here for any time at all, knows Sarah Finkston. And um, uh, she has been around our church for quite a while and uh, part of our youth group. And she has come today to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. She has come to say that she has accepted Christ as her Lord, as her Savior, and, and uh, to be followed up with baptism. And, uh, and Sarah, that's just such a wonderful thing that you have done, such a great decision that you have made. And I hope that you will uh, join me in, um, in welcoming Sarah into the, uh, the, the family of Christ and to the family of uh, Community Baptist Church by raising your hand and saying amen. Amen. Now, you've heard this many times before because you've been around for a while, but I'm going to tell you anyway, uh, like I tell everybody that joins this church, we're all ministers in this church because we're all family. And you know that. You've experienced it here. And so we are looking forward to the days ahead of ministering to you, and we're also looking for the days of your ministry to us. And you've already experienced that. You've experienced the ministry uh, of people to you in your life, and we've experienced the ministry that you've had with us. Uh, so you're, you're a great blessing to our church, and we're, we're thankful for that. I know you'll want to come and speak with uh, Sarah uh, in just a moment and welcome her and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship. And let's stand for our benediction. <clears throat>
Oh God, we have come and we have heard your word this day. And your word is useful in exposing our shortcomings our, and showing us the right way to go in our lives. Fill us with a love for your word, O oh God, that we may know your grace each day of our lives. Encourage our faith and equip us to do your good work for your glory. Amen. Amen.